Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Two days, guys. Two days, ladies and gentlemen. Two days until playoff football. It is Thursday. I am thrilled. I'm in such a good mood today for so many reasons. One, my entire family and I are going to Western New York this weekend. We are going to Bill's Bengals. My son, my daughter, my wife, wings, beer, snow, cold, Bill's Bengals. It's going to be so incredible. I'm very excited for it. We're packing. We're buying the right clothes. We're getting the right snacks. Really, really, really into that trip. Can't wait. Also, uh, one of my bosses is coming on the show today. Eli's coming in. Eli Manning, yes. Just a couple of days before the first Giants playoff game in years, uh, which he is attending, Eli's going into Philadelphia. That's the word. I'm going to confirm it with him. We have that. We have three other games. It is the best football weekend of the year, which makes it the best sports weekend of the year, which makes it the best weekend of the year. Let's not waste any more time. So much to get to. Starting with what I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. I love that Josh Allen, number 17 for the Buffalo Bills, is on a mission. And I love that he has a massive, massive opportunity and massive challenge this weekend against a very good Bengals team. Here are the facts. The Bills have not lost in over two months. The Bengals have not lost in over two months. Josh Allen has never lost a playoff game at home. Joe Burrow has never lost a playoff game on the road. What's going to happen? I was asked this morning, uh, what, what can Josh Allen prove this weekend? What, what can this mean for Josh Allen's legacy if he beats the Bengals and advances to the championship round? And I think if you were to ask him, and we know him well here, I think it would be nothing. This means nothing to my legacy. I've proven nothing. This is the next game and the next opponent. And I don't care if it's the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Houston Texans or the Houston Oilers, I don't care who it is. I just want to win this game, and I just want to win two more after that. He is obsessed. He is robotically obsessed with getting that Super Bowl championship for Buffalo, and this is a big step. A big step. Last week was a very strange, wonky, weird game and a very strange opponent for the Buffalo Bills. Not only the familiarity of playing them the third time, the backup quarterback, the weird sort of strange dynamic going into that game it was a bizarre game. They didn't so much win it as they survived it, but as we say, it's not how it's if, and they won. This is a different deal. This is, this is not Skylar Thompson. This is not a familiar opponent. It's, in fact, there's, there's no familiarity. There's never been this matchup, and the only time there was, the game was not finished. The game was not even close to finished because something crazy happened and something terrible happened. All kinds of things going on. Physically on the field, psychologically between the ears, a fascinating, massive matchup. Now we know Josh has told us right here in the basement, he already has his speech planned for the event that the Bills one day win the Super Bowl. He already knows what he's going to say. He's had it for a long time, like someone might plan their Oscar speech or their retirement speech, whatever it may be. He's got a Super Bowl speech planned. He also as a bottle of bourbon in his home, in his bar, that he is saving specifically for only when the Bills win a Super Bowl, if they can get it done. He's set. He has goals ready. He has speech ready. He has a celebration ready. He has his drink ready. 
Got to win this weekend. Got to win this weekend. This is a tough, tough, tough opponent. And imagine if they don't. Imagine if they lose to Cincinnati and for the second straight year, you've lost in the divisional round to a very talented AFC team with a very good quarterback. Tough. Because the tough part is losing in the AFC playoffs these days for any of these quarterbacks, any of the good ones, of which there are at least a half dozen, no one's going anywhere. This is not, well, we lost to John Elway, but he's going to retire. Or we lost to Brady, but he's going to leave. No one's going anywhere. <laughs> there's not, it's never going to get easy. It's only going to get harder. Did you see there's, I saw this online, that Josh Allen at 26 years old is one of the oldest quarterbacks in the playoffs. Dak Prescott is the oldest. And then there's a couple of them. There's Mahomes and there's Allen. And then there's a bunch that are younger. So this is just how it's going to be. There's never going to be a soft year in the AFC. There's never going to be a couple warm-up games, and then you just have to knock out that one other dog in the title game. It's every round. If anything, the Bengals and the Bills got a break this year in the wildcard round. That, that's never going to happen. They both got the third-string quarterback. They both barely survived. Well, that's all over now. So I think if you were to ask Josh, what does this game mean this week? And I think he would do the Josh thing, and I think he would say, just the next opponent, the next win, one game at a time, situational football, that type of thing. We just need to execute and we need to beat the Bengals. And I love Joe and I love all them, but they're just the next team in our way. And then if we were able to beat them, we'll get to the team after that. It's just, there's none of that. And yet, and yet, there is a human side of Josh. There is a very sensitive side in the back somewhere that he puts to the side and compartmentalizes to be a professional and to be a leader. And I think it's naive of all of us to think that he doesn't in some place in his head have some sort of score to settle with the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe if it's even a vendetta. Maybe it's revenge, or maybe it's just unfinished business. But I think back to the very first time, way back in September, when Josh came into the basement, and I used this kind of an icebreaker, because it was our first time talking in this setting. I said, Josh, we're going to be doing this all year. We're going to talk every week. Let's get this out of the way now. What are the things that you don't like talking about? What are your irritating topics, your eye rollers? Just tell me, and then I won't ask you about them. And uh, he was very tan, and his background was all blurry. He tried to say there aren't any, I don't have any, but then one did come up. Let's take a look back to September. I'm a pretty open book. I don't have too many bugaboos about me. Um, mm -hmm. Coin toss, maybe one, I don't know. That's, that's really <laughs> the only thing. I, I hear that all the time. I think everybody knows that about now. But uh, no, man, I'm, uh, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm, I'm willing to talk about anything. Coin toss might be one. What that means is coin toss is one. <laughs> coin toss meaning the one that they lost to the Chiefs in the divisional round in Arrowhead last year. Never saw the ball again. The NFL changed the rules because of that. So in other words, when I kind of lightheartedly said, what are things you don't want to be asked about? He lightheartedly said, I don't have any, but coin toss might be one. The answer to that is an emphatic, don't ask me about the coin toss. I'm sick of it. Everyone always talks to me about it. The coin toss is a Chiefs conversation. And that's not even including the year before that they also lost to the Chiefs in that stadium in the AFC title game. Two years in a row, a guy who lives and breathes football and has one goal and one goal only to win a Super Bowl for Buffalo, two years in a row has lost to the same team. Okay? So I believe Josh when he says I am focused on the Bengals right now. If he were to tell you there is nothing in his mind whatsoever about wanting to beat the Chiefs on his way to a Super Bowl, I would not believe him. I don't think he will say that. I remember I talked to him a couple years ago on a, a different show, 
and this was following the title game loss, so two seasons ago. And this was the off season, it had been off since for a few months, and I said, how much do you think about that Chiefs loss? He said, every day. Didn't even hesitate. So listen, Bills win this weekend, they beat the Bengals. Chiefs win this weekend, they beat the Jaguars. Guys, it's on. It'll be Buffalo versus Kansas City in Atlanta. Make it make sense. I don't care where they're playing. It's that red team, that Mahomes guy, it's that Andy Reid, it's that Arrowhead logo, and it's Bills Chiefs again, and I think it'll be a massive, massive deal for Josh Allen. Until then, gotta go through an amazing Bengals team. God, the playoffs are great. Does this get better than this? It's amazing. Bills, Bengals this weekend, three o'clock Sunday. I will be there. Josh Allen will be on fire. Let's go though to what I hate. You know what, well, here we are and I say it's the best weekend of the year and there's eight teams left. And I always believe the divisional weekend is the real start of the playoffs. Wildcard to me always feels like a play-in game, especially since they expanded it. 14 teams in the playoffs. I feel like this is the goods. These are the best eight teams. There's no Deadwood, no, eh, we don't really belong here. Some team like Tampa. Tampa's never been good all year. They never were good. They got in the playoffs still. Now they're out. These are the teams. These are the teams. I mentioned how young the quarterbacks are, how interesting it is. All kinds of head coaches. The venerable ones like Andy Reid, these sort of up-and-coming stars like Zach Taylor, the phenoms like Brian Dayball. It's just the storylines everywhere. Do you know what my favorite storyline is of the divisional weekend, the best weekend of the year? It's the Cowboys bleeping kicker. I can't get enough of this. Brett Maher, who is the Cowboys kicker, that they are going with, and I hate it for them. I hate that they're doing this, and I think it's nuts. So the story goes, as you know, Brett Maher, M-A-H-E-R, difficult name to say, missed four straight extra points in their win, their comfortable win over Tampa Bay. And if you go back to the week before when they played the Commanders in the final week of the regular season, he missed his final extra point. So we're talking about a kicker who missed five straight PAT kicks in the games. Made one at the end of the game, and maybe that saved him to save this job. The word out of Dallas this week is that they brought in another kicker, a guy named Tristan. Not making it up. The guy's name's Tristan. And he's there in case Brett Maher struggles in practice. But the plan is to go with Brett Maher this weekend in the game against the 49ers. Not, they're not going to dress two kickers. If he gets through a smooth week of practice, they're going with him. Do you think that's absolutely a terrible decision? I do. Let me tell you something about Brett Maher, and I have no grudge against him, and I wish him the best, but this is football, and he has a job, and his job is to kick it through the poles, and he missed it five straight times. This is his 14th stop. He's been in different leagues. He's been in different teams. This is his second stop with the Dallas Cowboys. He's been around the league a long time. He understands what it's like to be brought in, to be spit out, to be brought in, to be spit out and they're bringing him back to the playoff game. This is not someone who is obviously like a unbelievable kicker who's been with the team for years, like a Justin Tucker. It's not even this lovable core veteran who has also been with the team for well over a decade and is part of the fabric of the organization and the community, like say, Mason Crosby with the Packers. This is a guy that they brought in this year that they've gotten rid of before and that 12 other teams have gotten rid of as well. And they're just keeping him. 
Isn't that alarming to you that something happened to this guy on the field and that he had some sort of psychological episode in which he could not make a kick? Understand this is the Cowboys kicker going into the game against the Niners, a game in which they're underdogs, the Niners are juggernauts, they're going to need every break, every point, every single little thing to go their way to win this game in San Francisco. And they're bringing in a guy who had some sort of meltdown. He missed left, he missed right. The conditions were fine, there was no crazy wind, there was no wetness, there was no rain, the holds were all down, the snaps were okay. He went in a halftime. Chill out, calm down, practice your form, collect yourself, got it. Came back out and missed again in the second half. That is a problem. And I, I, I don't celebrate it. Something happened to that guy and I sympathize with him and if he has a family with them, I can't put him out there in a field goal situation or an extra point situation in a playoff game. Not against San Francisco. I would have immediately replaced him. There are guys. There are guys out there. There are kickers. There's lots of them who have game experience, who have big game experience, who step right in, plug and play. And guys, we're not talking about making a 56-yarder in a huge crosswind in difficult conditions. Can you make sure you get us all our extra points so we can try to beat the Niners? I would have gone with them immediately. Immediately. And I was asked uh, on Good Morning Football, well, do you think that will mess with the team chemistry? And I look across the table at Jason McCourty, who played 13 years in the NFL, he's a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> I was asked the question, I look up and Jason goes, Pfft. he like scoffs and shakes his head. It's a kicker. It is a kicker. They're their own type of entity on the team, off by themselves, usually not a massive part of the team organization, the, the, the relationships. I've heard it for a million years that there's kickers and they're great and we need them, they do their other thing. Not only that, he's new to the team. He's not been there for a long time. What loyalty do they have to Brett Maher? Why do they do that? Is there any doubt in your mind that there's gonna come down to a big kicking situation for Dallas? That they don't get blown out and they certainly don't blow out the Niners and we need a kicker. This is kicker season. This is how guys get Super Bowl rings. This is how guys go to the Hall of Fame because they're great athletes and great coaches and blah, 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 because they have great kickers. You think the legend of Tom Brady would have been born without a kicker? It's because Vinatieri's banging field goals through in the snow. It's because he's kicking game winners against the Rams and again against the Panthers in consecutive Super Bowls. Guys, you need a great, great kicker. And if kickers are boring topics and no one wants to talk about them, I do. If the Dallas Cowboys lose this game because they kept a kicker who was holding up a sign that says, I'm having athletic psychological issues. I can't kick it through the two yellow poles. If they keep that guy and they lose because of him, fireable. Fireable. What, what were you thinking? Why would you do that? This is not a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence who threw a whole bunch of interceptions. He's the franchise. You got to work through it. This is an asset who is expendable. And that's cold-hearted. Guys, it's playoff time. I couldn't care less. Get a new kicker in. Get him in. This, I mean, if you miss two in a row in the playoff game, get him in. Peyton is on the Manning cast. After I think he misses the third of four in one game, he gets up, Peyton walks out of frame, and asks aloud, has a, has a player ever been cut at halftime of a playoff game? No, they didn't cut him. They brought him back, missed more, and then left. I'm spending a lot of time on Cowboys kicker Brett Maher because this is a big, big deal in a very important game. Oh, makes me nervous just thinking about it. I hope I am wrong. I hope that Brett Maher steps up there and is a first ballot Hall of Fame kicker and just center cut on every single kick that he needs to make. I'm rooting for him. But this psychological thing happens. 
Does the name Trey Junkin mean anything to you? Long snapper, goes back to the Giants. Niners game in the early 2000s, he came off the street and they had him long snap and he blew it and they haven't recovered. It's Just look it up. Brett Maher, I really, really hope that we're not talking about him this weekend. I hope it is a non-factor and he does his job. I don't think it will be. I witnessed that. Something happened in his brain and he couldn't do it and he blew a microchip. Maybe he's meditated, maybe he's reflected, I hope he has. But I doubt it. Let's get to what's hilarious. All right, so I root for chaos, you know that. Some men just want to see the world burn. Michael Caine. What would be the most chaotic outcome? In, in being chaotic, be hilarious. What would be the most hilarious outcome this weekend? So I'll go process of elimination. The one that was like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. I don't think it's Cincinnati or Buffalo winning. Neither one, neither, nobody would be surprised if either team won. Both really good games, really good teams. Cincinnati or Buffalo, I would take them out as a big surprise this weekend. Giants-Eagles is interesting. Giants beating the Eagles would be a massive deal. But again, you have that familiarity of divisional opponents, which I think is always dangerous. And we were all so impressed with the Giants last week. Would you be shocked if the Giants won? I would not. Dallas-San Francisco would also be a big deal. But Dallas is very talented. They also looked excellent against it's the Buccaneers last week for four quarters. I, I think Dallas beating San Francisco would be a jolt, and it's the second most shocking outcome that I would have. But it's not the first. I think you know the first. If Doug Peterson's once crappy, unwatchable Jaguars team goes in with Goldilocks the quarterback and goes into the Arrowhead Stadium and beats... Mahomes, Kelsey, Reed et al. in front of the Red Sea and walks out of there and ends the Chiefs season. <laughs> that's the one. And that's hilarious. Understand, Chiefs fans, I wouldn't be laughing at you losing. Despite our differences over the years, I love you people. I'd be laughing at the shock and awe. I would be more a disbelief laughing. Is it unreasonable to even think that could happen? How good is this Chiefs team? Just to say over, let's say over the past four years, the real prime and the meat of the Mahomes era, is this the best team? Is this the worst? Or is this somewhere in the middle? It's not the best. I don't know if it's the worst. I just also don't think they're unbeatable. I think they'll win. I do. I, I, I'll just tell you now, I, I think the Chiefs will win. It would be insane if they lost that game. Because, play this out. The Chiefs lose. Nobody can believe it. Doug Peterson is the greatest coach to ever walk the earth. Trevor Lawrence arrives. They are going to the title game. Jaguars won the title game like five years ago. Different whole coach, everything, but they were. The AFC title game is either Jaguars at Bengals, which is hilarious because it's two of the most will-be-gone franchises of the last 20 years, or it's Jaguars at Bills, which honestly, it was not much better in terms of the last 20 years before the Allen era. It was terrible. They couldn't get anything done. Jaguars, Bills, or Jaguars, Bengals. It's almost like we are, we are so uh, in awe and so respectful of Mahomes and Reed. You, it's, when I start thinking about it, my brain rejects it. Like, no, they're not going to win. They're not going to win. Beating the Chargers? Sure. 
Of course. Beating the Chargers down 27, no problem. 57, I'd be fine with. It's, I just, if, if I try to imagine Mahomes and Lawrence at the end of the game shaking hands and Mahomes saying, great job, man, great win, good luck, good luck, stay healthy. And Trevor Lawrence does the post-game interview and Mahomes walks off losing at home. I just, it's hard to imagine. And yet, that's why it's hysterical because all of us will feel like we're in some sort of hallucinogenic because the Jaguars are going to the title game. And it's not just the Jaguars, this Jaguars team was terrible. They couldn't get a win together. 20 minutes ago, the Urban Meyer was their head coach. Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson didn't show up and fix everything. First couple months of the season, they couldn't do anything. And now it's just like, I would, I would laugh so hard and be in such awe and have so much respect for everything Jacksonville is doing. I'll tell you this about Jacksonville. They're young and like dumb in a way that they're like, they don't even know they're not supposed to win. There's an advantage in having a very young team. They're inexperienced maybe, blah, blah. But A, I don't think playoff experience means really jack. And B, it's like, I don't know, who cares? It's the Chiefs. We played them once before earlier in the season. We played them pretty tough and lost. But I don't really care that we're not supposed to be here yet and that we're just supposed to go back home because we're Jacksonville. The hell with it. I think we're going to win this game. We have a coach who believes us, and we have a quarterback that's capable of anything. Anything. This kind of scrappy defense and this incredible group of wide receivers who are like the expendables, guys who are given up on. You name it. Zay Jones, given up on. Evan Ingram, all those. They have a bunch of guys like that. And those guys are pissed, and they play hard. It's kind of like the Giants receivers. Giants receivers have been crapped on for three, four months. Uh, Daniel Jones has no one to throw to. Maybe he was right. This guy, Isaiah Hodgins, now is amazing. But back to Jacksonville. They have a recipe for it. Great coach, super talented quarterback, guys who no one believes in, guys who play angry, and nothing to lose. If Jacksonville lost 33-3 to the Chiefs, We'd all stand up and applaud the season they had. There are no negative takes. There are no you guys choke. There are no go back to the shallow end. It's just, oh, well, the Chiefs are tough. Jacksonville, amazing season. You guys are great. You're a team to watch next year. If the Chiefs lose, it's like, oh, my God, what happened? I still can't believe they lost to the Bengals last year. And they did. Same stadium. I, I don't think it'll happen. I wish I could take credit and say, I'm predicting Jacksonville. I'm not. I'll tell you what, it'd be hilarious if they did. You know who sometimes hilarious? Our next guest. I love this guy. I'm very excited to talk to him. Get him in here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, he is a media darling who used to play football 
and he's one of my bosses. It's Eli. Eli, how you doing, man? Welcome to the basement. Oh, thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. How you doing? I'm thrilled to see you. I think for everyone wondering, so Eli and I are doing a Zoom right now, and we had it scheduled for noon. Eli showed up at 11.59 exactly, perfect Coughlin time. Do you find that Coughlin time still follows you, Eli, as a father and a husband and as a media member? Uh, it, it definitely follows me. I was actually like at my computer at 11.50, but I've learned with some of these Zooms, if you get on too early and then like no one's getting on, I start freaking out. I'm like, I start calling people. I'm like, hey, no one's on here. It's five minutes early. No one's like, I'm, I, you know, I think I got the wrong Zoom. I got the wrong Zoom. So I've, I've kind of yeah. learned like, all right, a minute or two before and then I don't freak out. It's just so perfect. And we have enough with the Zoom without the freaking out. Eli, uh, we have big news to talk about today involving the Pro Bowl games and your very, very, very interesting famous captain that we will get to shortly. But first of all, Eli, it is January 19th, and we have a Giants playoff game this weekend. How fired up are you? That's that's uh, that's exciting, and I am fired up. I'm, I'm going going to Philly. When I retired, I said I'd never go to Philadelphia for a football game again, but um, I guess I lied. I didn't I didn't know I was lying. But playoff playoff game, I uh, gotta gotta do it. So I got a couple of buddies going. Uh, AKA security guards, uh, because I am bringing my 11 year old daughter. I've already warned her. She's going to learn a few uh, new vocabulary words and what, you know, what, what you learn and what you hear in Philadelphia stays in Philadelphia. You can't bring that back home. Cannot bring that back to school. I thought Eli, when you said a couple of buddies, you might've meant finger number one and finger number two, which you may need this weekend too. I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what the over-under is for the number of uh, double birds that I see this weekend. I can't quite, I can't quite figure out what, where, where to go there, but I think it's going to be a rowdy, rowdy crowd Saturday night, you know, so all day Saturday to prepare for the game in Philadelphia and knowing that they have nothing to do on Sunday. It's not like Monday, they got to go to work. They got yeah. a full day to recover after. So I think, uh, I think the fans are going to be juiced up a little bit. Well, if you got 70,000 people and they each have two hands, it's probably 140,000 middle fingers that will be coming to you. You know, Eli, when our parents were growing up, like our dads, I think the most famous middle finger was Johnny Cash. Like he had a legendary one. And then you on the Manning cast, I think, took the mantle from him. Hasn't it led to you getting more now than ever before? Uh, it has. It has. And, and my uh, my parents are so proud. Uh, they're starting to get them also. My mom loves like, you know, when people give it to her, it's really it's really something she you know just calls me and says, so proud of you of what you've been able to accomplish uh, oh since you've you know, been on TV. So uh, not my proudest moment, but, you know, you just got to you got to embrace it. And uh, I'm trying to do my best. And, you know, it's just hard to control these things. It's just things come out. I'm a hand talker. Can't help it. I hear you. Listen, give them to Eli. Let's spare Olivia. I don't, I don't think she deserves that. Even Eagles fans, go to Eli. Now, I know you're not proud of Eli necessarily, but I know, I, joking aside, you're very, very proud of Daniel Jones and what he's doing right now. And in fact, I heard that you were able to talk to him before his first playoff game against the Vikings, and he had questions about, does the game get faster? What's it like? Like, what was that exchange like? And what did you tell him? Yeah, I mean, just, uh, you know, I've been I've been rooting for him, been excited for him all year, um, you know, have, you know, have fought to him throughout the whole season through, you know, the good the good times, the bad times, you know, losses and wins. And just, uh, you know, he's done a great job of just staying, staying steady. And, 
um, you know, playing smart football. So I just I told him, hey, playoff, don't change. You know, all of a sudden change for for the playoffs. Keep doing what you've been doing. He was asking if the speed is any different. They play faster. I said, no one's playing faster. You don't all of a sudden, you know, become a faster player uh, in the playoffs. Everybody's, you know, is is trying as hard as they can. Sometimes, you know, guys might get a little healthier or they feel fresh or, you know, you, you kind of can, you know, pick up the, you know, momentum and tempo at practice and everybody's, you know, feeling good, but it's still about going out there, executing, you know, knowing the game plan and just making smart decisions. So don't get too overwhelmed with it. Um, and so, you know, same thing this weekend. And, and I think it's good. Hey, he's played in Philadelphia a number of times. He knows yeah. what to expect and he's played this team. So, Hey, go out there and, and just try to play your best. You've always believed in him, and you've always been very outspoken about that. You know, Eli, he's had so many skeptics. I, I was a skeptic myself because you would hear, you know, he's a great teammate and he's a really hard worker. You know, but that's a lot of guys who just sometimes just don't have it. What was it about him that you saw and you've continued to see that made you really believe that he could be the player he's been right now? Well, I think it's just, you know, I just I saw the work ethic. I saw that, you know, it was important to him. And, and you know, he, he wanted to get better. I saw the things he was doing and, and the adjustments he was making to make, you know, to get better. And he was committed to it and to, to working at it. And I just, I just feel, um, you know, I, I feel there's something to those guys that come to New York they struggle a little bit and they, mm -hmm. and they can work their way through that. If they can not get, you know, down or they cannot lose confidence, but instead it, it, it inspires them to work harder to fix it. And, he, and he's doing it for the right reasons. He's doing it for his teammates and he's doing it for the Giants fans and the organization. I just think, you know, those guys that can, that can get through that all of a sudden they, they can, they can really handle anything thrown at them. And so all of a sudden you get to a playoff game, Hey, you get to big games and, fourth quarter, uh, you know, two minute drives, it, it's not too big for you. You've been through worse scenarios. And so you can just go out there, be relaxed, uh, have confidence in yourself, uh, be comfortable in your own skin, doing it your way. Mm -hmm. And, and so just, uh, felt that Daniel had all those, all those things and, and knew, um, you know, if he could just get, get some guys around him, get him in a system where he felt very comfortable, you know, he could, he could really shine and, and play well. And he really has now. It's been incredible. To that point, Eli, I think the young people watching, like the TikTokers or the Stranger Things crowd, they may know you as, oh, Eli won two Super Bowls in New York. He was he just showed up and started winning. What they don't know is, like, you, you were getting crushed by the media when you were young. You were getting batted around on the field. I mean, you really took it hard, just like Daniel Jones did. Like, in that city, you must hear it. How the hell do you ignore it? And how has he done that? Because it's been eyes on the prize. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and hey, you know, going in, that's what I've told Daniel. I said, going into my fourth year with the Giants, I, hey, I was there with Coach Coffin. We're both going in our fourth year, and it was it was yeah. kind of a do or die season. We lose our first two games. Also, we get a hot streak. We win six in a row. Then we lose four and playing terrible. And, and, you know, we find a way to, hey, make the playoffs, you know, get a hot run. And, and then, you know, kind of the rest is, is history. And so I just said, just, just keep. Keep making good decisions. Keep you know doing things right, and it'll start clicking. And you all start winning some of these close games in the fourth quarter. And defense yeah. will step up, and everybody y'all play team you know just great team football and find a way. So I think that's um, you know and say hey you can't just listen to the papers and the you know media and social media. There's you know everybody's gonna have opinions. 
you, you know, be, be critical of yourself. Look hard at the film. Listen to your coaches, you know, your offense coordinator, head coach, quarterback coach. Take their criticism. Uh, take their praise and, and, and all that and, and build off that and, and make sure, you know, you're, you're you know, listening to the right people and you have the right people um, kind of on your back. People that are telling you what you need to hear, uh, not what you want to hear necessarily. And I think Daniel's done a good job of that. Huge news uh, today with Eli and the Pro Bowl and his captain, which we'll get to shortly. Eli, I live in Giants fans country. I, I'm up in Westchester outside of New York City. All the guys in my cul-de-sac, all the guys at the grocery store are just Giants fans. And they're so funny because they'll say, we got to stop living in the past. We got to stop living in the past. But then the second they win a playoff game, they're like, it's just like 07. It's the same team. It's happening again. Even the Super Bowl is in Arizona. It's the same thing. When you see this team, do you are you reminded of the 07 team? I think, I mean, I, I see some similarities just in the fact that they're they're able to win some close games. They're able to win some fourth quarter games early in the year. They went through a little slump in the middle of the season, and all of a sudden, you know, second to last game of the season, they had to win, you know, to, to get in. Um, and were able to beat, you know, beat uh, Indianapolis. They, you know, got in. We beat Buffalo that year to kind of secure yeah. your spot. And so, you know, going, you know, they had to go on the road um, you know, to get there. And so I think, uh, I think it's, you know, there's some similarities and, but I think it's, you know, Hey, they're, they're their own team. They got their own identity, yeah. new coaches. It's, you know, because there's some similarities doesn't mean it's going to end exactly the same, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to root for them. I'm going to try to help them and, and, uh, hopefully they can go into Philly and play a good game. I hope so, too. We would love to see it. And I know you'll be there with some family and some bodyguards. I want to show you something, Eli. I uh, I ran into, I was in New York City this morning doing my job, and I ran into a pretty big New York celebrity. And someone, I'm not sure you've ever met before, but I took a video with this person, and this person has something to say with you. So Eli has not seen this. Huge New York celebrity right here with a message for Eli Manning. Go ahead and roll it. All right, Eli, I'm here on a professional television set. So with that comes very important professional broadcasters. In fact, I found one who wants to talk to you. Do you know this gentleman? What's up, late douche? <laughs> what? Listen, you used to bust my chops every time I come in the locker room talking about, oh, no media in here, no media in here, not allowed to come in. Look who's the media mogul now. Every damn TV channel, radio station, whatever we turn on, it's you. We need more Eli. Uh, we don't think we have enough no, Eli. We're tired of Eli. <laughs> it's not like cowbell. We don't need more cowbell. We need more cowbell. Not, we don't need more Eli. That's O'Hara. Couldn't be more perfect. What do you think of that, Eli? <laughs> what do you it. think of it? I love it. I, lo I love it. Sean, he's, you know, the old center, you know, Sean. Yeah. You know, the media was always, always, um, you know, trouble there. You know, that was kind of, that was Darth Vader. That was like the dark side. You don't want to go to the dark side. I don't feel like I have. I don't feel like I'm in the media because I don't say anything negative about people. I'm a positive influence i don't i don't have to break down any other like film or say anything bad about anybody or any any games i talk to the giants a little bit only after wins i do that on purpose so i can be positive i can always say wonderful things about them dude is there anything more perfectly sean o'hara that he found a way to wedge in a need more cowbell line into his video <laughs> he loves he, lo he loves loves the movie quotes Loves, you know, quoting oh any anybody, uh, especially Will Ferrell. But uh, Shawnee, Shawnee's the best, the old oh. center. 
I saw him with my, I was with them. I was watching the game with them on, on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, so that was, that was fun to celebrate, watch the giants game as we won that game with them. And uh, you know, he feels it once you, once you're kind of part of this team and he still does some stuff with the giants, you get excited for these guys for what they're going through. And you, and you reminisce about just being in that moment ourselves and how special it is when you're playing in the playoffs, you know, not every other team is practicing right now. Like it's just us. We have this great opportunity. So I know he's excited for the, for the G men also. Well, you guys can reminisce if you want about something really fun that most people can't. And that's beating Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Sean did it once. You did it twice. And now years later, Eli, um, here we are at the, yet another crossroads with Brady. He just got knocked out of the playoffs. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't his greatest season. He's 45. And now we're all sitting here wondering, is that it? What do you think in your gut? Do you think he's done? I, you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you can say I that. I think, I yep. think it's hard. You know, it's hard. It's hard to, to give up when you, you know, you feel like you can still play. I mean, he threw it more than any other quarterback in the, in the NFL this year. Like that shouldn't be the case for a guy who's 45 years old. Like it's like, Hey, let's, let's like, you know, let this guy throw it when we need to, but he's out there, you know, slinging it and, it's you know it's what he loves this is what he's been doing for so long and i think like the longer you do it it even becomes harder to stop because it just become part of your routine and part of your life and it's like well what am i going to do you know in like in may if i'm not at practice like what am i going how am i going to fill all this time um if i'm not preparing for football and so i think it's it's hard and he obviously loves it he's still playing at a high level so We'll see. You know, I, I know there'll be interest uh, for him, whether it's with the Bucks or other teams. Well, if he does hang it up at some point, maybe he'll uh, be in Las Vegas in the reimagined Pro Bowl games coaching against you in flag football. But it's not this year because it is you and it is Peyton. The three of us are actually going to work together in a couple weeks when you guys announce who your teams are. But right now, Eli, the news of the day today Peyton's captain on the AFC team is going to be Snoop, which is incredible. And I know you guys are tight with Snoop and I can't wait. Would you like to tell the people watching here in the basement who your celebrity captain is going to be in the NFC? Mine is Pete the Heat Davidson. Yes, he's got a new nickname and I just gave it to him. But so Pete the Heat is joining me. Pete Davidson is coming in. He's going to be uh, coaching these guys up and and helping in I don't know which way he's going to help, but he said he's in charge of my our coaching our coaching outfit on game day. So I'm a little worried about that. I don't know what he has in mind. I'm sure it's some sort okay. of sweatpant sweatsuit, but that's what he says he wants to be in charge of. Wow. Well, that's a reason to tune in alone. So Pete the Heat will be in charge in, tar- in charge of attire. Eli, once the game starts and you got your attire and <laughs> he's kind of done, what do you expect his contribution to be to the ongoing game here once you're trying to coach and Pete the Heat? I'm not sure what he's doing. I think pep talk. I think I told him, like, mm. you know, I'm, I'm I'm not great at getting guys like fired up. That's not really not my my not my thing. I wasn't very good at it as a player. I, you know, I could kind of give a talk, but it was it was pretty basic. I would, you know, kind of get other guys to get everybody you know kind of jacked up and super excited um i was trying to stay calm i'm like stay calm stay calm and so that's not great for the pep talk so i I told pete he can he can work on that um i don't know if he can get through the whole speech without laughing and giggling at himself but you know we'll see i think he i think he's uh i think he's up for the challenge 
Cannot wait to watch Snoop, uh, Snoop Dogg versus Pete the Heat, Peyton versus Eli. Eli, let's close with this regarding uh, Pete the Heat. Who do you think um, has, has more love and adoration from the female fans? Pete the Heat right now or a Jesse Palmer the Bachelor back in the day? Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's tough. That's tough. You know, I was, I was right there with, with Jesse. Like it was pretty, it was actually pretty cool being in like the locker room um, as the show was airing and like guys are like, yeah, I don't watch that show. And the guys would come in the next day. It's like, I know you're picking Jess. I know you're, no, no, you're going with Trish. <laughs> you're going with Trish. I know, I know it. Like you don't even have to tell me. It's like guys are into it. They're watching it. And, uh, you know, but now, now Jesse, hey, he's a married man. He's, you know, he's That's right. But during the time, during the time of the bachelor, yeah, uh, he was doing well. So that's a, that's a tough call. But Pete's on a hot streak right now. He's, uh, you know, he seems to have had he has it figured out. I don't know why or what it is, but he's he's got he's got it. He's got whatever it is that he has. He's got it, and he's on your team. O'Hara and I during commercial break this morning talking about Jesse's stories, and when you were just amazing, amazing stuff that is not for the air, and I will leave it there. Eli, uh, I love seeing you. Thank you for coming to the basement. I will see you in Las Vegas. Everybody will watch the reimagined Pro Bowl games, Team Eli versus Team Peyton, Pete the Heat versus Snoop Dogg. Thanks for coming in, bud. It's great to see you. All right, Kyle. Appreciate it, pal. Eli the best. Love knowing that guy, love talking to him, love working for him. We will see him in Las Vegas, as I mentioned a couple times. How about Pete Davidson's hot streak? Eli, calling it like it is. Who will Pete Davidson be dating at the reimagined Pro Bowl games? And will it be that girl from Wednesday? I don't know what her deal is, but she seems to be everywhere on Instagram. So who knows how that will go? Either way, I'll be watching. I'll be part of it. And hopefully you will, too. Let's end the show, though. Ultimate Warrior and I got to get out of here. Let's go to Skycam. In a three, and a two, and a one, and there it is. Nice job on the transition. I'm gonna grab a dart. If I hit a bullseye, I don't talk about anything. If I hit any of the other numbers, there's a topic that the producers have come up with of a little ditty that I'll sing you. We'll find out what it is. Is this the bullseye day? Not even close. I missed it by nine inches. That is a 10, double 10, but we won't call it a 20, we'll call it a 10. What is topic number 10? Hardest football hit you've taken. Um, took a lot of them. I was playing street fall football once and I ran into a parked car and I injured my quad. But um, when, I was, uh, when I was playing in college, we played against uh, Harvard a bunch of times and I played against a guy named Isaiah Kasavinsky. And Isaiah Kasavinsky went on to be in the pros. He was actually in a Super Bowl. He played for the Seahawks. And then he had this really cool personal story and ended up on Oprah. You can look him up. But he was like the Brian Urlacher of the Ivy League. Just big old linebacker, super fast, giant pads, hard hitter. And we played once in, at Harvard. And Harvard Stadium is really cool. It's the oldest one in the country. And it feels like the Roman Coliseum. Really cool spot. Naturally, we didn't win there. But I went and uh, I, I got a, um, a handoff once in the second quarter. And I feel like he could have taken the handoff from the quarterback. I feel like he was in the huddle hearing our play because that's how much he was all over it. I, the only miracle is that I wasn't injured by this play and I didn't fumble on this play, but he obliterated every ounce of my being and I think we took about a four yard loss. Not great for uh, for your guys' yards per carry, but Isaiah Kensvisky, a gentleman too, came to meet him later. Um, 
It's kind of a deep pull, but you guys, you Seahawks fans will know him. And if you really follow uh, early 2000s Ivy League football, you'll be all over that. Uh, you probably follow NFL football, and it's the best weekend of the year. I say it again. This is also the last show of the week. So if you're watching this, I love you. I will be in Buffalo this weekend. I'm going to do the pregame show in the parking lot. My whole family's going to be in the game. We're going to do the bar bill thing, all of it. Cannot wait to get there. Buffalo, I love you. Everybody else, thank you for joining us. See you later. Please exit through the garage and close the door on your way out. So long from the basement.